Welcome to the Digital Social Hour, guys. I'm here with my co-host, Charlie Cavalier, and our guest today, Eric Person. How are we doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, how are you enjoying Vegas lately? <laughs> well, I've been here 30 years, so I love Vegas. You know okay. everything about it. I'm a rookie. I just got here two years ago. Where from? Uh, Jersey. Ah. You been? Like, of course. Hell yeah. <laughs> Any casinos up there? Yeah, I've been to pretty much all of them, I think. All right. So you own over 26 casinos now. Yeah, 31 casinos. 31 now yep. in Vegas, Colorado, and was it Cali? Uh, no, uh, Colorado, Washington, and Nevada. Colorado, okay, got it. Um, how did you get started? Was it an acquisition, or did you start with one and scale to 31? We started buying by buying the Windover Nugget and the Red Guard Hotel, which is on the border of Nevada and Utah, uh, service Salt Lake. And uh, that was our first properties, and then we just we doubled EBITDA, and we just kept buying and growing. Wow. So basically, these casinos are extremely profitable, cash flow heavy, and you just went all in with it. Yeah, we we uh, we leveraged everything we had. My partner Justin Belcher and I we personally guaranteed the debt. We went all in, and um, we crushed it. And uh, then we found another partner to, you know, take our implied equity and loan us more money. We just kept buying and growing. Wow. When you say you leverage everything you had, do you mean like you were all in, like you needed this to succeed no matter what? There was not another way out. No, there's not another way out. We personally guaranteed everything. We had to put like. Uh, we, I think the first thing we bought was $43 million. And uh, coming closing time, you know, we never bought casinos before. We were like 64000 short. It seemed like a rounding error. We had to use our fucking credit cards. So it was <laughs> like we were all in with, with everything we had. So during COVID, you must have got hit heavy then because yeah. I remember walking the strip here. There was like 10 people in the hotel. Yeah, you know, we had like uh, 300 and almost $400 million in debt, and we were closed. And so the bills keep coming, but we're not making any revenues. COVID wasn't a lot of fun for me. So you must have been on the verge of bankruptcy. How did you come back from that? Well, I mean, we worked with our lenders and um, we just, we all got through it together. So it's one of those things where we knew the underlying business was going to be there as we're allowed to open back up. And sure enough, the, the gaming demand was there and customers came and it was really just the uncertainty of COVID was the scary times. You didn't know how long you're going to be closed. You didn't mm. know. Nobody knew. You right. Know? But, um, but, but our lenders was great and, um, we just did it together. Did you want to make a pivot to online casinos during that time? No, no. I've uh, only thing I've ever done is gaming, and and, uh, um, and so the online space. Like we run sports books in Colorado. We'll do it soon in Nevada, um, but no, land based casinos. What uh, where our focus is right. Do you ever see cryptocurrency making its way into your casino ecosystem? Yeah, so we, we have crypto ATMs that um, allow people to withdraw money. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a small amount of our transactions. Um, it was very good for the poker community. I can tell you that for a few years. Well, when Bitcoin was crushing at 60, it made a lot of people have a lot of money. Uh, obviously, now it's in a little different place. So it's having the opposite effect. But, you know, crypto is one of those things that um, seems like for people who aren't risk adverse and, and younger people, you know, they're adapting to it. And so a lot of like the poker communities involved in crypto and they're gamblers, you know, and, and I think that anybody who says crypto is not gambling is just lying to themselves, you know. It definitely is gambling. Definitely. <laughs> um, I saw you mentioned in an interview you had guidance from billionaires in yeah. the casino industry. How important is it to find a mentor in, in doing what you're doing? You know, like, I don't think you can ever properly weight um, the influences that come into your life who, who help you and lift you along the way, you know. So you learn different things from all kinds of different people, and it's up to you to make the most of every opportunity and and find those opportunities. And, and it's hard, I think, for someone 
um, who's successful to think that, you know, even if I didn't have that opportunity, I'd find some other way to do it. But the reality is there are people who helped you along the way. And, and so the, there's a big appreciation and recognition for, for all of them, you know, and I, I work for several billionaires and, and all of them taught me different things and they've all made me stronger manager. And, uh, you know, my life is, you know, I'm blessed. So, so I've been fortunate to, you know, kick ass wherever I've been, I guess. That's great. You're also a very skilled and very successful poker player. Yeah. How much of that does cut, relates back to business or vice versa? How much of it intermingles with each other? Yeah, so you know, I put myself through undergrad in Georgetown Law playing poker, and so I played a long time and um, picked up a lot of uh, skills and attributes that I think you carry with you every day, even when you're not playing poker. You know, um, I think you know, in order to be a really successful poker player, you can't be you know risk adverse, and I think to be successful in business, you can't be totally risk adverse either. So you got to take appropriate risk, and I think that's always one of the balances um, you have in life and you have in poker, and, and is weighing risk properly and making the right um, judgments to jump in there and and you know sit on the sidelines and fold when it's you know you don't have a winning hand. So poker is um, a big part of my life, even when I wasn't playing, but. It's a big part of my life now. I'm playing in some you know really really big cash games that are private, and I'm playing in um, some really big um, televised games that, that everybody sees. So mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm building a brand, and I think it's fun to see um, you know some of my YouTube stuff getting four and a half million views, and it, it's it's pretty cool to see them have a brand growing. So in chess, there's an AI called Stockfish. It hasn't lost to a human in ten years. Do you yeah. see something similar happening in poker? You know, a lot of people make solvers for poker, and, and there's something called GTO, Game Theory Optimal, and you don't have perfect information like you have in chess and poker. And so um, it, it's not that um, that poker can't be solved. I think in a large part winning players have sort of solved poker, right? But is there um, software that will unquestionably always beat a human? I think that's probably likely to happen, and I think there's plenty of software that beats most humans right now. Mm. Um, and, and I think that there's a variety of different reasons for that, but... Um, you know, a, a computer is never going to feel the pressure of bankroll, for example. You know, it's just going to play right. the game. And uh, and it's going to always be able to play the game optimally. And I think that humans can't necessarily do that. Um, humans sometimes are tired and shouldn't play. Sometimes they're doing drugs they shouldn't play. They have all these vices and things that affect them, whereas the computer won't. And so, you know, I think inherently the software is good enough at this point that computers beat most people for, for a variety of reasons. Wow. That's scary. Yeah. Very scary. It's and life, man. You're seeing chat. You're seeing chat DTO come out. I'm like shit. So it's like, you know, you have to embrace AI. It's here, and it'll just get stronger. And uh, you know, we believe Elon. Seems like he's more right than wrong. We're probably all fucked, right? So yeah. Would you get a Neuralink in your brain? Yeah. You would. I think okay. So. Let's go. That's a three O. So. We all would get a Neuralink. Yeah. And all like, right. I mean, if I knew it was gonna work, or if I really believed it was gonna work, and um, yeah, why not? You know. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Not a lot of people say yes to that. People are scared to make that Why? decision. I don't know. Not me. Yeah. Like, we'll let the Tesla drive us around. We'll let them take it to Mars and SpaceX and put the Neuralink in there while we're at it. I mean, I'm not going to jump to the front of the line and let a few people go first yeah, and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, if it comes a time, I'll jump in there. Oh, man. A lot of the things I've said, read about you, you draw a very big difference between the largest cash games that you play in and tournament-style poker. Yeah. And it seems like... And correct me if I'm wrong. You like messing with the tournament players a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's there's some players who um, are great players across all spectrums. Like Phil Ivey is a great player across all spectrums. Daniel Granio is a great player across all spectrums. And and there's um, a lot of players who are really good online, but they're not good in cash. And there's a lot of players who are do well in tournaments, 
um, but it doesn't translate to cash games. And Bill Helmuth's one of those players. He's just not a great um, high limit cash game player. And mm. you know, he, he got his ass kicked this week. Then he said, you know, I'm going to stop buying in deep. I'm going to start buying in for ten thousand, which is you know insignificant. But that's because um, you know, he's a great tournament player. And in a tournament, you start with a small amount of chips, you accumulate chips, and if you win the tournament, you end up with a lot of chips. And so he's trying to apply what is his winning tournament strategy to a cash game. And I can't blame him. He just got mixed up and got confused and thought that he could hang with me, but he really can't. So mm. it's fine that he goes back to where he belongs, which is, you know, the minor leagues. So what's your best game? Heads up? Um, no, I think my best game is um, a full ring game at, at very high limits. Okay. Have you ever had a losing year? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I had a losing year, but I've, I've definitely had losing periods, and I've, I've, it feels like a year. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I win a, a pretty high percentage of the time, and, and when I have, when I have losing months, like uh, it's super super frustrating. And in um, some of the games I'm playing, which are very high limit, like eight and sixteen thousand no limit hold'em, um, you can lose a million, and and uh, you can lose more. And wow, um, and when you do, when you, when that happens for a month, it's you know it's pretty stressful, frustrating. It's certainly um, starts to, you know, permeate your thoughts beyond the game itself. So, I mean, I, I understand losing and I feel it. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm overall not a losing player, I guess, because I think I'd have to quit. Right. <laughs> what percentage of players you think actually make money from poker? Two or something 2%. like that. Like in online, way, way less. Like, wow. Yeah, I think people get confused and they, they talk about being a winning player and they act like they're a winning player and they don't keep records and, some players are just recreational players and they know they don't win and they just want to have fun. And my wife's one of those players. She just, she likes to win and you win enough in poker that it's fun, but overall she knows she loses, but she's good with that. And I'm fine with that because she's having a good time. Like there's no expectation for a lot of people that they win. You know, there's no expectation if you go to the movie theater, watch a movie that you're going to come out with more money than you have. It costs money, you know? And so if you enjoy your time playing poker, it's pretty much just the same. Right. That's the way I have to look at it. Like I'm, I'm sitting down and paying for the entertainment of enjoying doing something that I'm doing. Has being a casino owner as well as a, you know, very high level poker player ever become messy for you? Sure. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building a pretty big company and I'm also building a brand playing poker and I'm playing for what people perceive as large amounts of money. And um, people sometimes, you know, wonder, you know, where your focus is and they don't understand that, you know, you're only streaming, you know, two to three days a month. And then what happens is. You know, I post um, clips on social like every other day, but that shit could have been filmed like four or five months ago, you know? Mm. So from their perspective, they're just always seeing new content. They're thinking, man, you're just playing all the time. And the truth is you're playing like six days a month or something like <laughs> that. But um, but they don't understand that, you know? And and so that sometimes does bleed over into business because obviously my uh, Maverick Gaming, you know, it's named after my son. And um, it's the most important thing in the world to me besides my family. Poker is um, something that I super enjoy and, and I'm doing it for a purpose and I think it's working. Um, and I definitely like to win money, but you know, it's, um, it's one of those things that people can always properly wait because of social media, the amount I'm, I'm across all channels and I have, you know, I don't know how many, I have a lot of followers and, mm -hmm. and they send messages and they make the clips and sometimes the clips aren't even my clips. And so, you know, I, I go viral and it's, it's kind of fun, but, um, to, I think some of the people who invest in or give debt to Maverick or whatever, sometimes they'd have questions about that. Because I don't think they're typically a little bit older, um, and I don't think they're as in tune to social media, and they, and they all they see is man, you, you lost you know four or five hundred thousand dollars, you know, what are you gonna do? I'm like fuck, I don't know. That was like three months ago. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not I've done a lot of things since then, you know. <laughs> Why did you decide to go so heavily on social media this year or last year? Yeah, it's going on year two. Um, 
I saw an, I saw an opportunity. I, I thought that, you know, frankly, um, I have this company and this company has um, a valuation of say eight times, six to eight times. And um, if I create a large brand, that, that valuation can be more like eight to 10 times. So I can mm. create hundreds of million dollars of value by creating a brand that resonates beyond just the properties themselves. And so I thought the fastest, cheapest, most efficient way to do that would be to take over space that's relevant, which is poker is relevant to gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I had a talent in it, and um, and I was pretty confident that I could um, work my way into the biggest streams in the world, which I've I've taken over streaming at this point, and um, and it's worked. So I, I did it because it's a talent I have, and I knew that it could create a lot of implied value for myself, which allows me to grow my company faster. Right. So you mentioned that COVID was rough for obviously the casino industry. Are you starting to see a return to pre-COVID levels of what you yeah. want to see? Or are you still feeling the burn? Um, and it depends. Some jurisdictions are exceeding. Some are still behind. I think that life's complicated. You know, there's like chaos theory. And there's all these things that impact so much beyond COVID's over. But now there's inflation and there's um, everything costs more. And, you know, and, um, and labor's tight. And... So there's all these other things. Like you get past one challenge, there's always another challenge coming. And so at some point, it's not even about COVID anymore. And even if the business is the better or it's worse, it's not even because of COVID at this point. I think we're too far away. COVID is just part of reality in life. And, you know, it's um, what, I, what I will say is that, you know, one of the most fascinating things I saw about COVID, and everybody handled it different. I, you know, I was felt very isolated. I wasn't traveling as much. And I think that was super hard for a lot of people. And, and as the casinos were closed down, they got to open back up. And you saw... Um, these older people who, you know, were coming back to the pro- casinos right away. And they're, and they're basically, they, and you talk to them, you're like, man, are you worried about COVID? And they're like 80. And they're, they're like, well, you know, my kids have left me and, you know, I, I live in a house and I'm by myself. And um, these are my friends. You know, these people in my building are my friends. And it's like, I don't want to, maybe I'm going to get COVID, maybe I'm going to die, but I don't want to die in an apartment by myself. And um, I'd rather be, you know, socialization is so important to so many people. I think that gets lost in, in like a gaming environment. Like, People get focused on man because people go to casino and they lose so much money. My average customer loses less than seventy bucks a day, mm. you know, and and they're spending like three and a half hours, and they think that that's a good value for them. And and you know when my properties are small enough, like up in Washington, that when they don't come in, people miss them. And when someone's on a day off, they're like, "Where did you go?" And they come back and they tell you all about it, you know. So I think that's what gets lost sometimes in the gaming community. You play poker, so you probably understand that. Like you know, you see people and you don't see people, and you, and you wonder, hey, what's going on with them? And um, it, it's it's always to people who aren't gamers, it's always about how much did they lose. And I think that that's just not like the first thing that a lot of most gamers are thinking about. Obviously, there's a small percentage, 2%, that probably have problem gaming issues. And that's not what we're talking about. And those people probably have comorbidity where, you know, they have drinking problems, drug problems. And so it's not like addictions is a part of their life and might be expressed through gaming, but you can fix gaming. Unless they fix everything else, they're probably still fucked. But <laughs> that's not how most people who gamble are. You know? Right. Yeah. You know, you and I aren't gamblers, but we still enjoy being around the people, being the camaraderie of the environment of the casino. Yeah, it's a good networking spot for sure. You meet some cool people at the poker table. You do. I mean, what would it take for you to get into what game would you play if you were going to start going to the casino every day? It's got to be poker because you're player against player. That's probably the best odds, right? I think so. I mean, if, if you're willing to do the work and put in the time, um, you can become a profitable poker player. And, and yeah. you, at the end of the day, the, the casino games are stacked against you. Right. So unless you're taking all consideration like comps and a bunch, there's some advantage gaming customers who are very few and far between. Poker is probably your best bet, and the sports is probably right behind it. Yeah. I stick to sports. 
Yeah. But people don't make money sports betting either. No, but at least I feel like I have some sort of, you know, education and intellect that I can apply, whereas I'm not relying on something else to benefit me. Mm. And it's a great sweat. You know, you're going to watch the game anyway. And like, uh, just it's exciting. You yeah, know? it makes it more interesting. What's your plans for Maverick Gaming? Do you want to sell it one day, pass it to your kids? Yeah, I passed to my kids. We're a private company. We'll never go public. And um, my boy already thinks he runs the company. And he's we have a charity called Maverick Cares. And he thinks it's his charity. And hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll go to them for sure. Nice. What made you want to do that? You know, it's all I've ever done. Um, I I started working for Michael Gaughan, who owned, um, he owned South Point now, but he owned Coast Resorts back then. Um, while I was going to law school, I was in D.C. three days a week, and I was in Vegas four. And really, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. So hmm. it wasn't like, I knew in first grade that I was going to be in gaming, and which is weird, but I didn't know it was weird. And then I had kids, and I thought everybody just knew what they're going to do. I mm -hmm. thought everybody knew. And then I had these kids, and they're like, they're daughters, and they're, you know, what do you want to do? And I'm like, princess. And like, everybody's fuck, nobody knows what they're going to do. You know, it's <laughs> like, I'm the weird one, man. Like, but when you have like that singular purpose, it's all I ever worked towards. It was like yeah. pretty, you know, straightforward in, in getting there. Right. Mr. Beast has that drive with YouTube. Yeah, it's amazing to see. And I think that singular focus leads to a lot of good things in life. And I think people call it, you know, over compulsive, whatever, but I think that's what's the kind of drive that's needed to get major things accomplished, as I'm sure you would attest to. Yeah, you, like, you know, I, I have my children, I have my friends that are close to me, and they all have various, you know, levels of commitment. And, but it's the people that are where it never leaves your mind, and it's what you're thinking about. They're the people that get there, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to really want it. You have to want it when it sucks, you have to want it when it's going good, and you have to. You have to have an appetite for more, and I think a lot of people just sort of tap out along the way for all kinds of reasons. They get married, or it's enough, and they think, "Well, you know, I'm I'm fine," you know. But um, I'm just not built like that, that at all, and I, I don't have great balance in my life, and that's why you see me um, owning so many casinos, and you see me playing like the biggest cash games in the world. It's just if I either I fucking do it, and I really do it, or I just don't do it at all, you know. So it's like yeah. it's a lot of knowing yourself, like. I don't have that thing. It's like, hey, this is a bad idea. So I don't ride motorcycles and I don't ski because I would just die, basically. Right. And I know that. So I just stay away. <laughs> so Smart. not an adrenaline junkie. Oh, I'm or a, maybe for different, in different ways. I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I recognize the things that, like, we would be on a motorcycle and I would just go faster and faster until we, <laughs> we died. And so I know that about myself. So I just don't put myself in that position. Hmm. It's basically what it is. Not that I, I think that, um, you know, I, I chase... You know, I chase feeling, and um, and I think it's one of those things that you, um, as you're younger, there's a lot more things that excite you. There's new things, and the first time you have an expensive meal, and um, you stay at Ritz Carlton or whatever it is, or the first time you buy a Bentley or Lamborghini or Ferrari, whatever the fuck it is, it's like super. But you've done that. Chasing that is feeling is um, gets harder and harder, you know, and. So you have to find different ways to be motivated. It's not about money. It's, it's more and more of a scoreboard, and it's about winning. And right. you have to have that drive to win, regardless of the tide of life. Mm. And, and I don't think everybody has that either. Nah, I think people reach a certain point of wealth and they kind of cool off a bit. A lot, a lot of people do, you know, because yeah. like, it's good enough. They're like, hey, you know what? I'm in my 40s and I'm having enough for the rest of my life. I'm just going to go quote enjoy life. I'm just not built like I, I want to wake up and crush things, and um, you know, and so it's like. Uh, important to have a support network around you that thinks like that because it's one of the biggest things i see is where you know um, husbands and wives match up and they don't have the same goals and dreams and desires and mm. and they the wife resents that the guy is working late at night on fridays and saturday nights and he's you know in gaming you work on the weekends and you work on the holidays and it's the fucking opposite and you're off on monday tuesday and 
um, either you have you know a support group around you that understands that and encourages it, or I've seen it just sort of destroy careers. You know. All right. So would you say you're working 18 hours a day like crazy? I don't know when I'm working or when I'm not working, honestly. Like, mm. um, I don't think there's a on and off. And, and I think that has a lot to do with um, smartphones at this point and um, text messaging and just, um, you know, but, but the way my brain works is like I'm in bed. I'm still, you know, thinking about it. And it's always, I might be like, I'm watching 100 on Netflix right now. It's this Korean show where like. I've seen that show. Yeah, yeah we've, 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 we've yeah, both yeah. seen that show. So, yeah. so like we're seeing, we're getting ready to see who wins this motherfucker, you know, and. But, but you're still in your head, you know, from time to time a thought pops in about yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that's going on. Like, so it's not like you clock in, you clock out when, when you when you do the things I'm doing. You just, it's always, always on your mind, you know. I have that problem too. Even in bed, can't stop thinking about work. Yeah, I mean, we go to dinner, we talk about basketball, and then we quickly honeycomb to a conversation about crypto or NFTs, back to business, back to basketball, back to fun. It's it's never it's never off. Right. And that's the key. So if you're doing things you enjoy, it's not really, not even work really. You know, mm. It's just... I don't think of Maverick Gaming as work or poker as work. Sometimes I do think of poker as work. Like if, if I played um, too many hours or I'm coming in because I have this commitment. Like that's the thing about cash games. I can just go play whatever I fucking want. But like when you're streaming, it's like there's a set schedule and you got to come in. And like that's, right. when, that's when it starts to feel like work sometimes. Mm. So non-money related winning or losing, what is the most ridiculous thing you have seen at the poker table? Oh, man. Like... <laughs> That's a good question. I'm, I mean, um, I've seen I've seen a lot of ridiculous things. Like, um, I you know I've seen people fall asleep and keep playing, and like, which is pretty common. And um, I had a like an eighty year old guy start sitting next to my left, start choking me. What? And, wait, wait, what? And, Describe yeah, that story. Um, you know, I beat him in hand, and we I were sort of making fun of him all night, and <laughs> we took his last money, and he got super mad, and he was old and. Foreman came. I'm like, you know, let him stay. Just have him move over there, you know, because he's a terrible player and he's <laughs> choked and hurt me. And like, oh man. Um, and then I had a di another incident where, um, you know, I like another guy, you know, got aggressive with my wife and we had to deal with that. So, like, I, I've had spots like um, with where Nelly, the singer, like, yeah. um, he's playing this game and nobody wants to leave this game. And um, I'm playing for what I think is a lot of money back at the time. And and I get this big hand, and, and it's like seven ways, and I win this, what I feel like is a really big pot at the time, and um, and I get a phone call, and I'm just, he's sitting in the one seat, and I'm in the three seat, and I'm like, man, I just stacked Nelly, Nelly hears it, motherfucker, you didn't stack me, and he pulls, you know, a plastic bag out of his pants with like another 60,000, which was amazing, <laughs> and, um, oh, man. you know, I played, um, you know, I, I played with a, a lot of um, celebrities, which I really can't name, because they're private, but like, you just... Um, me playing poker and playing at the levels I play at now, you're, you're playing with some of the most successful people in the world. And mm. that alone is like super interesting because the conversations are just different, right? They, they might be the biggest watch seller in the country or, or they might, you know, be huge in social media or they might be comedians or they might be people you see on TV and, and um, they're very success, successful in their spheres, you know, and, right. and just hearing how they think about things. I think there's probably some benefit to it. And so I'm super grateful for that. But like, you have all kinds of, um, you know, strange things happen if you hang out long enough in, in a casino just because the nature of uh, money and emotions and, um, you know, the, people with vices. And yeah. you know, so it's like, you name it, I've probably seen it, I guess. That's at this awesome. Point. Is it true casinos inject sense into the air? Yeah, so um, we do, like, um, and probably grateful, especially, like, 
you know, I worked at Sands, I was, which owns like Venetian Palazzo. It's, it was the largest gaming company by a factor of seven. Mm. Um, and so it had a great air handling, but even they, you know, put um, a smell into the Palazzo that, that smelled good. And But like downtown, you'd be grateful because air handling doesn't turn over near as much and there's super old buildings. And you, you, you the implied question is like, do you do it to like induce different actions through gaming? Not really. It's just more about, you know, people don't, want to leave there and smell bad and then if they do they associate it with your property right like the cigarette smell you know yeah exactly and then yeah. you're like i don't want to go fucking back here because i smell like cigarettes when i get all right home. your girl's you know? gonna be pissed or i got caught home. yeah exactly right yeah yeah so the casino is one of my favorite places that people watch yeah. and i feel like human behavior is just different there do you attribute it to the money to the the ambiance why is everyone acting so different in casinos it's all of that, right? So, like, um, I pl- spent a lot of time at Bellagio um, playing pretty big games or Aria, and, you know, and I, I drive a Lamborghini or I drive a Bentley over there, and um, they, I, I leave it up front. And um, casinos, at its core, are about flexing and about exuberant wealth and, um, and, and or aspiration towards it, you know? And so even the people that don't have money, they dress up as well as they can, and they, they mm-hmm. might put what they think is their best watch on and, you know, and, um, and, and they, they're trying to, they're, there's a pressure, I think, if you're in that culture to uh, try to live up to it. And I think that's fun because it means it's much more enjoyable to watch people, you know, and, and the girls dress up and, um, and that's fun. And, you know, and, and so it's like, I think gaming and being in casinos is part of escapism, right? They're, what you're doing is you're sort of escaping your mundane in every life because, you don't wear that watch every day and you don't dress up with your best clothes and you don't, your girl doesn't put on her best dress and she doesn't go to Omni usually. And, um, mm. but then she does, you know, and, and you spend more than you should, but, um, but maybe you think that's a great transaction because, you know, you think about all the days in your life you won't remember. And then the days that you do, you know, I'd rather spend money in the days I remember, you know? All right. So do you drink at the poker table? I don't like, so I, I work out a lot and, um, I very rarely do I drink at all. And when I do is I drink to get drunk. I think alcohol is like pointless, makes me feel bad the next day. So unless I'm there to get wasted, I would, I'd be either going to have zero drinks or a shit ton of drinks basically. No in between. No yeah. in between. Uh-uh. Because I, I'm going to work out the next day and I feel like crap. It just fucks up the next <laughs> day, you know? So. so what is a guilty vice of yours? He's uh... Oh man, my, my guilty vice is, um, don't say working too much. No, like it's 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 more nuanced. It's like my guilt my guilty vice is uh, my little boys. You know, my African Ace. They're they're um, ten and four. They're my you know two of my best friends, and and I have such a busy life. I know that I do things that trades time with them to do other choices, hmm. and uh, and you feel guilt from that sometimes. It's a guilty vice, right? I love to be in Beverly Hills, and I love you know I love to spend time traveling and I like to take them with me but when I'm in Beverly Hills I don't really want them with me for example and and so like um, I do that right and, and my wife comes with me and we stay at the peninsula and um, and it's great you know and at the same time I know um, there's I have two older daughters they're, they're uh, 19 and, and 20 and and you know they don't give a, they live down in Miami so they're not worried about me being but, but your four-year-old and 10 want to be with you you know so every time I make a choice to go to Beverly Hills and maybe play poker or go to Aria and play poker or just do stuff without them, you know, they're always in the back of my mind because you can't get that time back, you know? Right. Yeah, finding that balance with family and business is always tough. Yeah, and it's one of those things where with my first two daughters, you know, everything was centered around them. So 
they're going to go to Disneyland 10 times more than Maverick and Ace will. Mm. You know, and, but as you get older, you're like, um, you got your marriage and you want to like, you want to have your time. You sort of get a little more selfish, you know, I think. Uh, right. And I think that, I think that's fine. I think, I think it was uh, something I had to come to terms with because uh, we were realizing that, you know, you're just taking all those years and not doing anything for yourself. Mm. Um, and, and ultimately you, you, that is one of the places I should be balanced. So I went the other way. I was just all about the kids. And now, now I'm trying to push myself to make sure that I'm spending enough time with them that, that you know, they think of me as the best dad, I, you know, ever or bet I can be or whatever, you know, that's awesome. What do you think is the biggest trade off that you've suffered in your life to this point? Is it, is it the time trade off with family? Is it maybe spending too much time at the poker table at some point in your life or not enough time? Or what has been the biggest time trade off that you feel like you've suffered? Um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's one of those things where this is an impossible question. And here's why it's like, I got this ex-wife. I, I hate her guts. And <laughs> she, she would say the same. She don't like me either. And, but do I regret marrying her? Because, you know, I have these two daughters that I love and they're, you know, they're amazing. So you think like, what's the biggest trade off? It's like, it's a butterfly effect. You don't know what the outcome would be if you made the, if you didn't make those trades and I'm super happy with where I'm at. Mm. So I don't really want to trade anything. What I want to do is keep pushing myself to make the best decisions, to be the best dad, to be the best business owner, um, to be the best friend of my wife. And th that's where I find myself, you know, focus on the future and, and the decision we make now. We're not, I don't really, I'm not really backwards looking like that because I don't think it's healthy. I agree. You know? Agreed. Yeah. I love that. Any closing comments and where people can find you? Nah, you guys can find me on Eric person poker or, the, or on YouTube, Instagram, and uh, I am Maverick888 on Twitter. Uh, look me up, like, follow, subscribe, man. <laughs> All right. You heard it there, guys. Thanks for coming in on the Digital Social Hour. I'll see you guys next week.